Now and then an old friend of mine I've not seen for some time Stop by and ask me where I've been and what's on my mind They wonder why I'm not drinking and still painting this old town red I tell them I'm serving Jesus now and the old man is dead and the man you see before you may look a lot the same i may wear the same clothes and have the same old name but you're looking on the outside if you could see inside instead well you would see a brand new man cause the old man is dead I used to live such a wicked life I had no hope in sight I was lost in the darkness Searching for the light And then one night in a little church after hearing what the preacher said I gave my life to Jesus And that old man he is dead And the man you see before you May look a lot the same I may wear the same clothes Have the same old name But you're looking on the outside If you could see inside instead you would see a brand new man cause the old man is dead you're looking on the outside if you could see inside instead 
you would see a brand new man Cause the old man is dead. And you just ordered me to go ahead and preach. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I offered to help Brother Mike get down, but... He's got a great helpmate, doesn't he? And that was a blessing, Brother Mike. We appreciate your song. We're going to look at the book of Acts today. I heard about these two elderly couples got together, and <clears throat> the men were in the living room talking, and the ladies were in the kitchen, and the one of the men was telling his buddy, man, we went to the best restaurant the other night said the service was great, it was clean, the food was outstanding. I mean, the people that waited on our tables were so nice. It was just, he said, well, what's the name of it? He said, just a minute, he kept going on. He said, what's it? He says, I can't remember. He says, well, think real hard. He says, well, what's that flower, you know, that uh, you give at special occasions? The guy says, Rose. He said, yeah, Rose, honey, Rose, what was the name of that restaurant I went to the other night? It's a bad joke, but... We need a little laughter in church, right? Looking at Acts chapter 7, and your tradition here is to stand. So let's stand and read these two verses. We're going to preach all the way through verse 15, but we're going to pick up in verse 8. And we're going to read verses 8 and 9. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Let's pray. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world, that you will speak to our hearts, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, and that he will be uh, speaking to our hearts about what we need specifically. We're all unique, we're all different, we all need something today, but all, we, all of us need something different. So I just pray you'll speak to hearts. Bless us now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Now several things as you look at our text and then we're gonna eventually go back over into Genesis. We, we pick up in verse 10 and he talks about delivering him out of all of his afflictions. And that word is translated over in the next chapter 11, it's translated uh, persecutions. Then we read on down, it talks about giving him favor and wisdom. That's our word Sophia. Sophisti sophistication comes from that. So the wisdom, that's what that means. In the sight of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and made him governor over Egypt and all his house. And then it says, now there came a, a dearth, that's a famine, over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and great affliction, and our fathers found no sustenance. But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, some sort of crop they were growing in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then Joseph, then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him, and all his kindred, uh, threescore and fifteen souls. Now that's 75. It says in Genesis 66, because they don't add Joseph and his family in Genesis. 
So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, he and our fathers. We just thank God for this passage of Scripture. Now, Acts is a transitional book. You have to understand that it's a bridge book. It's actually called Acts of the Apostles, and there are no apostles today. Apostles, remember, did things during that dispensation that we don't see happening today, like raising dead people. There aren't any apostles. It's the Acts of the Apostles. It's a bridge connecting the, the Gospels to the Epistles. Remember, Romans is the first church epistle. It's a bridge book that connects law and grace. They were still living under the law, and yet grace had come along, and Jesus Christ brought grace at Calvary. And then it's a, a, a bridge, a, a transitional book that connects the synagogue with the church because the synagogue, remember, uh, was still in play and they were still preaching in the synagogues and, and the church had been established and so you're going to have a break eventually between synagogue and church. And so what a great book, the book of Acts is a transitional book is. It was written 60-some years A.D., Adol Domini, which really I always say after death, but technically it includes the life of Jesus. But was, so it was written 61 years after the death of Christ by Luke, the beloved physician. And now it's interesting because Luke writes this under the inspiration of God. And he's, he's, he's talking about Stephen's sermon. He's, he's got Stephen's sermon here. And, and, and of course, Moses shares the original story in Genesis. And here Stephen repeats it. And Luke's writing about it. A lot of great um, information to help us archaeological information. Of course, this book of Acts validates the Old Testament story, but we found a lot of things over the years. Sir Walter Woolley excavated in Syria a statue of a king which bore an inscription recorded during the second millennium. And it described a man with envious brothers living in a desert, becoming famous by interpreting dreams, recognizing his brothers, and them not recognizing him, and him forgiving and rewarding them. Interesting, isn't it? Also, there's been discovered an artist had depicted, uh, this is several hundred years ago, the discovery of a pharaoh giving a chain to a man. There's also, finally, there's been a discovery of a message from a pharaoh, uh, from a pharaoh's governors in regards to a seven-year famine. And all that's tied to the life of Joseph. Now, we believe the word of God by faith. We don't need those discoveries, but they're awfully nice to have, aren't they? Every time there's an archaeological discovery in the Holy Land or that vicinity, every time it validates Scripture. Not one time has there ever been a discovery to refute what Scripture plainly teaches. Because this is the Word of God and we're thankful for it. Well, here we find Joseph. And it's fascinating to me to study the life of Joseph. It's my favorite Bible story. And if you don't repeat messages, you get to preach it twice. Because you have it in Genesis and you have it in Acts. So I'm thrilled to be able to share this wonderful story of Joseph. And he starts out as the child of a patriarch. That word patriarch literally means first father. And of course, he's a child of favoritism. And he lives a life of security and favoritism and protection because his dad just really uh, lifts him up above his brethren. Remember, Jacob had 12 kids. They represent the 12 tribes of Israel. He had two with uh, Leah's handmaid and two with Rachel's handmaid and six with Leah, the one he didn't really want, who he thought was homely, had six kids with her. And uh, one of them was Judah. And from Judah, we get the line of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus, out of Leah, not, not uh, Rachel. But Joseph and Benjamin were Rachel's two children, and he favored them. 
You're not supposed to favor your children. It's wrong to favor your children, but he favored Joseph. And so he gave him this coat of many colors. But it says here in verse 8, or verse 7, verse 8, yes, that he was circumcised, or that Isaac was circumcised on the eighth day. That's another interesting apologetic fact, that they would circumcise on the eighth day. And we find that way back in Genesis. Now, how did Moses, uh, how did Moses know what modern medicine has taught us? How did... Uh, uh, the book of Acts, how is that relayed to us in the book of Acts when they really didn't know that then? In other words, doctors today in, in, in the modern era of medicine have said that vitamin K is in the Bible on the eighth day, which causes your blood to clot. Well, Moses didn't know that 4,000 years ago. He wasn't smart in a medical sense, and, and they hadn't, that hadn't been discovered yet. Isn't it interesting, though, that under the inspiration of God, God knew that, and he told them to circumcise on the eighth day. That way those little babies wouldn't bleed too much. So isn't that interesting? There's so many of those things. Just in Genesis, there's so many. Think of, um, uh, of, of all the ones John Hopkins reading the book of Genesis and discovered modern cleansing with running water. And that helped them conquer some terrible diseases in John Hopkins Hospital. And, and think of uh, Matthew Fontaine Murray reading the Psalms and discovering pathways in the sea. All these things they didn't understand then. And, and I don't believe for a minute Solomon understood that the female spider is the one that spun the web since they didn't even have a microscope back then. But under the inspiration of God, they write, wrote things. Oftentimes they would write things they didn't understand. John would write Revelation, didn't understand that he, uh, his vision, he sees these gigantic massive scorpions with towels that sting. That could be a vision of helicopters. We don't know because he's seeing the end of time. So all these fascinating things that I didn't have these things in my message, but I had to share the vitamin K thing with you. Just fascinating to me that we, we see this. And so here is a favored son. And back in chapter 37, verse 4 of Genesis, we find the Bible says his brothers hated him. In verse 5, again, it says his brothers hated him more. In verse 8, it says his brothers hated him even more. And in verse 11, it says they envied him. And that word envy is an interesting word. It's a word that means red hot. The Hebrew word there means red hot. You know, envy often causes great anger. Some of you may have envy in your lives about something at work. And what envy tends to do is cause you to be angry and attack someone you're envious of, and then you begin to malign their character and say things about them, and you begin to attack them. They may not have done anything, but you tell things about them that aren't true. Envy's a terrible sin. It's a terrible sin. It's hurt families, siblings sometimes are envious of one another. And we know, I've experienced both sides of envy, haven't you? We all have. And so, we know it's a terrible thing. It's the same Hebrew word is translated jealousy in Numbers chapter 21. Jealousy. We call those the twins of trouble. Envy and jealousy. And they had great envy and they had great hatred. The word hatred in the New Testament we're told is equivalent to murder. And so it's a serious problem they have here. They envied him. They hated him. And, uh, and of course his dad made him this fancy coat of many colors, no doubt. Woven material, beautiful coat. And, you know, he, he had this coat. Now, remember, Adam was clothed in animal skins. God explained 
the importance of a sacrificial animal to Adam and made him coats of animal skins to wear because after the fall, all of a sudden it gets cold in the desert at night. It didn't before the fall, but now the curse is on everything. And so Adam gets clothed with a coat. The Lord came to him and clothed him. But here now we find Joseph has a coat, a coat of many colors. And his brothers conspired against him to kill him. And so they get together and they say, let's kill him. And one brother, Judah, speaks up and says, no, we don't want to kill him. We talked about Judah weeks and weeks ago. We don't want to kill him. Let's just throw him in this pit and sell him. So they throw him in a pit and uh, they're going to sell him to the merchants who come along. And it's it's a, a time, no doubt, of rejection and humiliation for, for Joseph. I mean, he was a favored son. He had dreams, and God, God gave him those dreams. And that probably gave him some assurance when he's in the pit that God has a plan for his life. So he's in the pit, and he's no doubt humiliated. I mean, 11 brothers turn their back on you. He feels rejected. He's thrown in a pit. But we never find, just like Job, we never find him saying, God, why me? Why, why are you picking on me? Why is this happening to me? We've all done that as well. Why me, God? Why am I in this situation? Why am I having this trial? Why did I have a stroke? I don't think Mike said that, but he may have. We've all said, why am I going through this problem? We have to stop and reflect on God and realize he has a plan. It's not by accident that you're in a pit. It's not by accident you've, ex you, you've experienced rejection. Uh, you know, the, the envy and the jealousy are, are sinful, but uh, sometimes we think trials and tribulation are God's punishment upon us. That could be the case. We know we're taught that in Hebrews, but there's many reasons for trials. Sometimes it's just to bring God glory. In fact, it should always bring God glory if we respond correctly. But sometimes it's just simply testing us. And God wants to test our faith. And he's not punishing us, but he's testing us. We don't know, but in this case, we have some ideas. Because Joseph doesn't complain, but we do know that he had those thoughts. If he didn't vocalize those thoughts, he had those thoughts. But notice here, I love this verse, chapter 7 and verse 9. They sold him into Egypt, and notice these next two words. But God, but God was with him. I love those two little words in Scripture. Sometimes they don't work in our favor, like Judah was going to flee into Tarshish, but God sent a storm, you know? And we find those little words throughout Scripture. And I'm thankful that at times they bail us out. You know, envious brothers throw him in a pit, but God pulls him out of the pit. And sometimes in your life, there's things that have happened to you, and you're just thankful that God has stepped in. He's sovereign. He's all-knowing. He knows all about your trials, and he cares about you because he's God, the perfect God. And so he... Uh, is no doubt rejected and humiliated, but God intervenes and he's pulled out of the pit. He's sold. And now he has to wonder, now I'm sold as a slave. I was in the pit. You know, they ruined my coat, covered it in blood, brought it back to dad. 
and now, now I'm sold as a slave. What is going on? When it rains, it pours sometimes in our lives. The trials come our way and we, we struggle, we don't understand. And so now he's no doubt still struggling, not understanding God's ways. And now he's, he's, he's sold to an Egyptian and Potiphar, who's a high-ranking Egyptian official, brings him to his house as a slave. But the Bible teaches us that God worked it out where Potiphar trusted him and elevated him to the, the, the top dog. You know, he was the lead slave, the head man in all his household. He was the overseer is what scripture tells us in the house. He prospers, he prospers and, and he's over the whole house and, and, and he is elevated. So now no doubt he's wondering again, what's going on here? Things seem to be going good. He had had some dreams. He's thinking, you know, maybe something good is going to come out of this. Do you remember Romans 8, 28 during your times of difficulty? I love Ecclesiastes as well. It says that he makes everything beautiful in his time. Everything's not beautiful now. And all things aren't good now. But in God's timing, they work together for good. And sometimes it may be eternity. See, we look at things from a temporary perspective way too often, but God's an eternal God. You may suffer adversity and lose a child and, and, and have failure in your life and not understand and take your perspective off the eternal God and look at the temporary situation and forget that all things will eventually be good because of God, but it may take eternity before they're good. You may not see the good in it in this lifetime, but keep your eyes upon Jesus. Amen. Look full in his wonderful face. Because the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And so here now, Joseph is, he's somewhat elevated and he's been lifted up and maybe now he's, he's going to understand what's going on. I got a call this week. Uh, one of two times I wept in my office this week. One time in preparing this message, another time because this gentleman called me. Years ago in Panama, we went there and... In our first mission tour to Panama Canal Zone to reach military, we started a church and, and we had a green beret there named Dan Flaherty and his wife Brenda was already a Christian and she wanted him to be saved and they came to church and he came to know the Lord. And he shared his testimony at church one time and his wife would tell us stories about him, what a rough guy was. At his brother's wedding, he got in a fight and ruined the whole wedding, knocked over tables and beat somebody up. He's one of those kind of guys. And he needed the Lord, and he came to know the Lord. And he just called me. He said, I'm on my lunch. I'm sitting on the back of a piece of equipment. He's retired military Green Beret. And he said, I just wanted to call you and talk. And he just shared with me some kindness. And I was just welling up with tears because I thought, what, what would have happened to him? Where would he be if it weren't for God? See, Dan was a sinner condemned to hell, but God. See, God intervened and he changed his life forever and ever and ever. And I thought about the change in his life and how great God was. And so now we find Joseph in Potiphar's house. He prospers. But then there's also, unfortunately, a persistent woman in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife. Now, Potiphar was pretty special in the king's court because he's referred to as a chamberlain. 
that's translated several ways. It's translated eunuch in Daniel, but he wasn't a eunuch because he's a married man. And no doubt with his prestige, he could add any woman he wanted to. So she's probably a good looking woman. And the Bible says she noticed Joseph and he was no doubt good looking. She saw him and thought, wow, he's a hunk, you know, and uh, no doubt she was attractive and she pursued him. And I mean, it was relentless because we find back in, in chapter 39. Let's go back to Genesis now. I have an excuse now to go back to something I preach. Not to you, but I've preached uh, to other congregations. But in chapter 39, in verses uh, 7 and following, we find here that it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. And that's pretty plain and simple, isn't it? You know, I'm sure Joseph, being a man, thought, wow, she's good looking. But you know what? Joseph had character. I like that. And he refused her. But notice it doesn't stop. She's persistent. In verse 10, and it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. The word hearken can be translated obeyed. Now, she's a pretty powerful woman. She may have said, you know, I'll tell my husband that you've pursued me if you don't lay with me. We don't know. We don't have Paul Harvey to tell us the rest of the story. But there's no doubt she was persistent. It goes on day by day. Look at verse 12 then. And she caught him by the garment and said, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. I mean, he booted out of there, you know. Second garment, he's lost. Second coat, he's lost coat from his dad. Now he's lost this, this uh, garment, his coat that he wore as a, a, the head servant of Potiphar's house. And I love this because so many times our pride would not allow us to run from temptation. But you know what the Bible says? It says to flee fornication. Flee fornication. If he had stayed, it may have been trouble. He knew that. That's why the humble man says, I can't handle the temptation. I'm going to run from it. And I love that about Joseph. He bolted out of the house. He was not going to compromise because he's a man of God. He had good character. And so he flees. And uh, he, he, of course, gets in trouble because she goes to the servants and she says, he embarrassed me, humiliated me, threw himself at me. And, of course, Potiphar believed his wife. And now here's Joseph again going into prison going into prison. It's actually called a dungeon where he goes. It's called a pit. The Hebrew word is translated pit in Zechariah. He's thrown, and, and they weren't, they didn't have television then, you know. They didn't give you a free education. You know, if you, if you can't afford college, just get in trouble. They'll give you a free one in jail. That's the message we send. I mean, they have it all in jail. You have weight rooms and gymnasiums, and I mean, it's, you know, you, you really work your way up the ladder, I guess you get it all. It's terrible to say, I'm being sarcastic, but he didn't have that. He's in a dungeon. It's down in the ground, it's deep, it's dark, uh, and, and it's, it's a scary situation for him. And, and now he's once again wondering. He's had testing, trials. Now he again is lonely, confused, wondering what's going on in his life. But I love that he fled. I love that he fled. So he's in prison. And he's bound in chains or fetters. He's no doubt isolated and lonely. And he's, he's questioning now again, all right, got good for a while. I went from the pit 
you know, to a slave, but I became a good slave, and God blessed me, and now I'm in prison. And he didn't pout that we know of. We don't have all of the information. But a lot of people would say, it's not fair. I don't want to repeat what I just said a moment ago. But we've all been there and done that in our lives. Not prison, but we've all said it's not fair. And we all know somebody who doesn't live for God that seems to get off scot-free. You know, David had those thoughts. Did you know that? Psalm 73. David said, I looked at the wicked and they prosper. They don't, they don't seem to even have pain when they die. They have more than a heart could wish for. They have all these things and a great life. They curse God and nothing seems to happen to them. Have you thought like that before? But David said, but then I went into the house of God and I realized their end. And their end is an end of destruction. Don't be envious of the material things the world has to offer. Don't worry if other people have more than you. God will provide for you. And if you have an abundance, give, give, give. They say give till it hurts. It really never hurts to give. Blessed is the giver. Amen. The New Testament says we need to be a hilarious, that's the word, hilarious, hilarious giver, a cheerful giver. But so here he is now. And again, he's in a very difficult place. And we're going to look at chapter 39 and verse 21. And here's that little word, but. Never get in a budding contest with God because you'll always lose. Here's that word, but. He's, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Now that's Yahweh, by the way. The I am of the Old Testament. And who is that in the New Testament? Who's the fulfillment of the I am of the Old Testament? The Lord Jesus. This is, this is the Lord with him. That's the word Yahweh. The Lord was with Joseph. I love that word, but. And showed him mercy. This is such a powerful Hebrew word. It's the word chesed. It's about the only one I can pronounce. Well, we all know one Hebrew word, hallelujah. But that's, that's one that I, I didn't struggle to learn. I just jumped on this word. I loved it. But I struggle with my pronunciation sometimes. But this word is a love that never lets go. You think about Hosea and Gomer and all those great Bible stories. You know, Gomer was a prostitute. She had children with other men. And, and she's so unfaithful to Joseph. And Joseph. Poor Joseph. I just married him off now. He, he, and Hosea. Poor Hosea is thinking she's unfaithful. She's got these children with other men. But he continued to love her. The Bible says that when she was worthless and became worth the price of a slave, he went to the marketplace and he paid full price for her and bought her back. That's, that's the word chesed. Chesed is what we can say. Talk about love that won't let go. He paid full price for her and she was a prostitute. What was wrong with him? Well, he was like God. The adulterers and adulteresses, the Bible says. Don't you know that when you love the world, you're an enemy of God? You know what Jesus Christ did? He found you when you were absolutely worthless, and he loved you in spite of yourself, and even though you continue to do things you're not supposed to do, he continues to love you, and he never lets go. So he had that Old Testament mercy. Look at here. 21 again. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Isn't that neat? 
That word is translated grace in Genesis 6, 8. Same Hebrew word where it says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So here are these two powerful words, the Bible says, that Joseph had mercy and he had grace or favor in the sight of the prison guard. Once again, God intervened. But God, God steps in and everything's great. Again, God elevates him and promotes him all the way up to the palace of the Pharaoh. And now he has understanding. Reconciliation to come with his brothers and jubilation. I just, this is just so awesome to me, the end of this story. It never gets old and it never should. He's promoted. He's like Christ. Think of how he's like Christ. He was totally humiliated. To be rejected by your own family and cast into And then to be sold as a slave. Then to be falsely accused and thrown into prison. Talk about humiliation. But let me tell you something, someone else who was humiliated. Jesus Christ, he was on the cross because the Bible said he became sin for us. When you get caught in sin, it's embarrassing. And the Bible said he bore the shame, all the shame. He was in the presence of his father and he became sin and God couldn't even look at him. He had to turn his back. And Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God had to turn his back because he was sin. He was humiliated, but he rose in triumph. Up from the grave he arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. You know, as you look at chapter 45, this is just so awesome. You've got to see this. In chapter 45, verse 2. In verse 1, Joseph couldn't refrain himself before all of them that stood by. His, his brothers were all there. You, you just can't imagine. And he, he yelled, he cried out with a loud voice, said, everyone get out. And then he made himself known to his brethren. And the Bible said he wept out loud. And it says so loud that through the closed doors and the walls, Pharaoh's court could hear him weeping out loud. Just crying and crying and weeping because here he's going to be reconciled with his brothers. And I love this story because he doesn't hold animosity and bitterness. He's going to reconcile. Verse, verse 5, he says, Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. He understood now it's all coming together. The nation of Israel would be saved. My brethren and their children and their wives would all be spared from famine because of God. And the Jewish race would still continue. And today it thrives in Israel. Sixth most powerful military in the world. And in 1948 they came from 105 countries back to Israel. And Israel's great today because God used people like like Joseph. And Joseph went to the pit and he went to prison for his, for his people. And he says, it wasn't you. Look at verse 8. So it was not you that sent me here, but God. Don't you like that? But God. Can you say that in your circumstances? That God has you where you are for a reason. When you don't understand, 
You just thank God. It wasn't you. It was God. He chose grace. He chose forgiveness. I'm so glad for the grace of God in my life. Don't get bitter, folks. Be gracious and forgiving. Don't demand that people come crawling to you to apologize. Be a gracious, forgiving Christian. I just think that's so important for a church, for a family, for an individual to be gracious. And if you're here today and you're not a believer, God is gracious. He shed his blood for you. And if you came this morning during invitation and said, I need to be saved, we'll take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Because our God is a God of grace and mercy. And I'm so thankful for that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all the things we've learned from your word today. You're all-knowing and when to circumcise babies. You're all-powerful to be able to control these situations in the lives of people like Joseph. And you're full of grace and you're full of mercy because that's who you are. Thank you, God. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our invitation hymn, page 288, Softly and Tenderly. Softly and tenderly.